Welcome to Rector's Cupboard. This is the first episode in season two. Actually, we're going to call it season season three. three. Let's start again. (laughs) (laughs) And there's where we drop the theme music. (laughs) Welcome to Rector's Cupboard, a podcast for people who are interested in questions of culture and faith. We ask these questions from outside the institutional structures of religion. We're glad that you're listening and hope that you enjoy and benefit from the conversation. Welcome to Rector's Cupboard. This is the first episode in season three. Actually, we're going to call it like a prequel. Is that what you call it? If it's like not, you know, I don't want to call this episode one. It is episode it's one. This is episode, episode one. one. But it feels more like, like let's get together and chat. Episode one can be an introduction. Okay. It's the start. Oh Season three. A beginning, if you Here will. Here we go. It right now is September 2021. COVID is behind us. <laughs> Part of it is. Part Do you remember the <laughs> pandemic? And, uh, well, it's not behind us, actually, as things turn out. So I thought, why not off the top? Because, you know, it's how people are feeling. Why don't we open the cupboard and drink to start? That sounds like a great idea. So welcome, Ken it. Bell, our cupboard master. Tell us what we're drinking today, and then we can do that as we chat. So we're going to try a, a, a drink from Liberty Distillery. I was going to say it's a gin, but it's not actually a gin. It's an unaged grain spirit, so it's more like a vodka. Um, it is uh, triple distilled. It is basically just a sort of a pure sort of alcohol uh, base that you would add other things to. So it's probably not a sipping uh, li- liquor. Uh, it's Ooh. called wildflower honey. So there, it is drawn from wildflower honey. Uh, from honey. Uh, they have a variety of different things down on Granville Island, uh, which is where the distillery is. They've been open since 2010. So this is just, yeah, this is sort of like drinking straight vodka or straight moonshine Ooh, almost. It sure is. And it does then feel you like mix that. it I with feel like other things. Now you but work what is very close to here, don't you? I do work very close to so here, which is how I found the place. There, yeah. Hmm. So take I feel a like sip. this has cleaned any potential bacteria out of my mouth. There is and a sweetness. Nose. There's definitely Ow. a sweetness to it. Mm-hmm. It's 45%, but there's it, definitely it feels a sweetness. Like 45%. I, yeah, you can taste that, honey. Yeah. In fact, the longer it sort of you lingers there, that, you can you can taste it even more. Mm-hmm. And the warm. And, and it's I warm. I do like going the toastiness. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's kind of nice because we have. I don't know, done the decidedly BC Vancouver thing of the September long weekend. It's and summer, and summer's changed. off. Yes, yeah. done. <laughs> it's not a heat dome right now. It is not. It is a certainly not. Not at least here. So Very anyways, grateful it's, it's, for that. it would Very be a nice wonderful kid. thing to mix with uh, with juice or with uh, sparkling water. So I did bring some buble uh, sparkling water. I think it's no, bubbly. No, <laughs> is it bubbly? I think you fell victim to the. <laughs> oh, I think Michael Buble <laughs> would can, be happy. I did bring add. some buble. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I like that. You can add Doesn't some he of do that the ads it? for bubbly? He does. He does. Yeah, yeah, just so. anyway, so enjoy. They're not a sponsor of Rector's Cupboard. Hang on, I think. Can I use this one? You can also use plain club soda. Uh, and for a lot of people, yeah, experimenting with a l- couple of different types of alcohol over the last 18 and a half months has oh. been a regular part of oh, people's existence. Better. So hopefully you enjoy it. And if you're looking for something mm-hmm. a little bit different, uh, go down to Liberty Distilleries on Granville Island. This is an award-winning artisan spirit. It won the silver award in the Canadian Artisan Spirit Competition. So mm. enjoy and thank you to Good our friends so at as Liberty. As we sip our drinks, yes. I'll just start with the question, how's everybody doing? 
I'm how do you, how are you doing and how do you think kind of people in general are doing right now in our part of the world? Long pause. Yeah, I'm how trying to think respond? how to answer. I, I think there's, I, I think one of the big differences from uh, 18 months ago or so was there was a lot more fear. And right now I think it's just a lot more exhaustion, mm-hmm. mental, mm-hmm. emotional, oh physical yeah. exhaustion. The fear's not there as much. Um, because we have a knowledge of how to protect ourselves and stuff like that. It, it's a, I mean, there's a little bit it's of fear, different. but it's, it's different than... I think it might depend on where you are, too. It mm-hmm. could. Uh, but I think there's just an overall exhaustion. Like, working mm-hmm. in long-term care, uh, my wife works at the hospital. And I think there's just, in those settings anyways, there's just an exhaustion. We thought we were kind of getting out of it. We mm-hmm. were able to walk around the facility unmasked for about 72 hours uh, before we were instructed yeah, to no, put, put the mask back on it. It just sort of felt, it felt disheartening, I think. Like yeah. you kind of thought, oh good, we're not quite there yet. No, and I, I think that encapsulates it a lot is every everyone's exhausted. Everyone, and, and I know for myself that I, I feel like my general capacity to absorb you know, just stress or, you know, my children being loud and that sort of stuff is so much less than it generally is. Like, I feel like I'm constantly, I'm like, I'm like a sponge that's already saturated. And so everything that, that happens, I'm much more reactionary. So you think people are just more on edge too? I think so. I, I, think I feel so. like I am. Mm-hmm. I was saying to a friend this morning, that you guys I don't, haven't said that. <laughs> I don't know many people. I mean, I'm sure there's some, but I don't know many people who feel kind of strong right now. Oh no. Like no. everybody that I talk to, you pick up this sense of, you know, the uncertainty, the exhaustion, Ken, as you mentioned. And it just, this is kind of New Year's for most people, September, the school calendar mm-hmm, and such, mm-hmm. you know, back to routine, back to work. And and it doesn't feel fami- familiar, but we then go, oh, shoot, like we were here a year ago. Yeah. And we didn't expect to still. No, I mean, I hit partway through the summer and we were all convinced at work there would be concerts and hockey games right. and all of those things happening. We were pretty certain, actually. Those things probably will happen, but not the way anybody envisioned. Yeah, it's it's um, it's one of those times where there's a there's a fragility to people. There's, I think people are on edge. We get we'll talk in a few minutes about, you know, how are people getting along? Uh, what about <laughs> people who disagree? Um, I think that. Uh, there's been some of the disappointment I've felt is over probably had a higher view of how people would, you know, treat one another and how we would get through this. You know, yeah, <laughs> like, like the, we're I all I in this together. Over seems kind of an overwhelming disappointment just See, in, in, I mean, I still think the majority of people are, are making decisions that are not necessarily just good for themselves, but good for for their families, for their communities at large. Like collective um, versus individual. Yeah, yeah, but there's a lot of people that, uh, like, I, I don't necessarily want to get dive too deep into, like, what side or whatever. I, I honestly don't understand, like, the mask. De- like, you can't put a mask on to go to a grocery store. That's, like, a, like, big thing That's for you. The I, I, on which I don't understand that personally. It's it's a strange thing because on one side you've got people protesting yeah. and hundreds of people gathering a place to protest wearing masks, but I had the privilege, I think, of being able to go to a concert yeah. a couple of days ago. You it was sheepdogs. Amazing. It was at the outside sheepdogs. It was like an outside thing. There were 2200 people there plus and plus 35 coyotes. Well, 
maybe well 35 protected. less now. Yeah. <laughs> Almost less. Right. Um, which was amazing. And admittedly, when they went on stage, I actually felt emotional. Mm-hmm. But people wore masks even outside. Right. And nobody fought us on that. So, you know, on one side, you've got protesters. And on the other side, you've got people saying, well, I want to go cares? to a show. I'll I'm in a it. park. And I'm still willing to put the mask on. It's still such a small percentage. Mm-hmm. Generally. It is interesting, though. I've talked to a couple of other people, and they've reflected what uh, uh, you guys just reflected, Todd and Allison, that almost a sense of a disappointment. And mm-hmm. Todd, you've talked about this before, that you, you early on you thought you had sort of this positive humanity, we'll pull together, it's all going to be okay. And then a sense of disappointment. I have another friend who's very expressed that a lot. Like, he's just really devastated and disappointed in the way people have responded. And yet I, I'm i actually on the other side of that going, I'm actually s- pleasantly surprised the vast majority of people have That's true. gone along with things. They're wearing masks going to the grocery store. They're willing to get the vaccine. I mean, 85% in our area have been yeah. vaccinated. So I'm actually on the other side of that. I'm I'm pleased with the way humanity overall has reacted, but I think there's so there's a sort of a division there. I think many people are disappointed, and mm-hmm. other people are pleasant. I'm on the pleasantly surprised. Maybe that just reflects that I, I think had that's a very the tension that I'm feeling, right? Because before. I see those protests and I feel <laughs> that disappointment absolutely. Yeah. But then you get to go to things like that, or you right. wander around the grocery store, and, right. and I haven't actually seen anybody freaking out right. about uh-huh. the need to wear a mask. Not like on my yeah. day to day. I understand yeah. people are doing it, but. As a whole, as I go about my daily life. Oh, did you? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So there's this weird tension of feeling deeply disappointed every time I see those news stories and you see the case numbers going up and things like that. But then... That that isn't the majority. It isn't. No. I'm going to add kind of an existential piece to the exhaustion and the the (laughs) uncertainty. And that's after we've been through a time like this, and many people I know and myself included have experienced... um, some fairly intense loss during this last year and a half. Mm -hmm. And then you've had the pandemic. And after a time like this, there can be, I think, and I don't know if listeners would identify with this, the sense of, oh, like things can get really bad. Mm. And so you can kind of have a hard time feeling energy for the future. (laughs) Yeah. Because you think I've experienced that. That's how bad things can get pretty quickly. Well, and so that becomes, there's a little bit of like emotional or spiritual despair. that I Well, think and that. several kind of doctors and epidemiologists that I've seen interviewed are saying, yes, this is bad, but this isn't actually a bad pandemic. Right. As far, like, no, they're it saying could be like, worse. If this feels bad, you should kind of steal yourself. There's probably worse coming, like at future points. Like, and they're not trying to be all doomsday-ish, but they're like trying to give perspective that, are, that they're like, if this kind of brought the world to its knees... We need to be more proactive because this could have, and the next kind of pandemic likely will be worse than what this was. And I think it's also overlaying with what we're seeing just in the environment and culture, in the environment and stuff with uh, the heat dome, the fires, the flooding. It's been a hard summer. All of that is laid over top of this. So we have this COVID thing that we're trying to deal with and connect with and get through and manage and it seems almost manageable but I think for a lot of people there's a sense of this climate change thing actually isn't something right. manageable no and then we, you layer on things happening afar us. like watching images from, from Afghanistan, Afghanistan and you just can't help but feel inundated no. which I, you know I, we've actually been talking about this since the start of the pandemic because there I've was George Floyd and there yeah. was social justice things and like there was kind of this constant 
wave after wave of information and it, it often felt just very disheartening. So, you know, how long can you be hit with that mm-hmm. before you just feel like, oh my gosh, no more. Yeah, that becomes, I, I definitely resonate with what you guys are saying, that there is a sense where you can look at climate change for sure and then, um, you know, world events and then uh, political landscape around the world um, and think, oh, like things, it, it, I guess it gets back to what we take for granted. But I think what, what I'm trying to get at, we'll look at, at um, some of the articles that we read in prep for this, but uh, and th- what I'm trying to get at is that how that connects to, s- to a lack of energy for a given day. Like there's climate change, there's the political landscape, there's COVID, there's whatever. And, and maybe in our immediate lives, not that much has changed. Like work setting may have a bit and various things, but but yet you still feel that. There's like a weight that comes and with what, it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you what can't are we going to do with that? How can no. we help? How can you don't we kind of get to check it at the door and then just no, go about it's your not day? A it doesn't. Thing. Mm-hmm. It sits with you. Mm-hmm. But somehow you know this, right? Because you know the people in your life who, many of the people in your life who are able to feel alive, know kind of the beauty of the world, the wonder of living each day, whatever it is. Many of those people have experienced more suffering yeah. and more mm-hmm. uncertainty. So it's not, you know, this is kind of despairing talk that we have, but there's also hope in this that somehow there are very, very many people who go through real difficulty, real uncertainty, and then discover the joy of day-to-day life. Like, I get to be alive today. And, you know, as we talk through all the topics this year and such, we're kind of aiming for that. But we're also well aware that, you know, those of us here on the mics and many people listening do feel that sense Mm -hmm. of like, I just can't seem to get traction, either just in Mm -hmm. terms of a day-to-day kind of living, but I also can't seem to get traction emotionally. And that's where some people are at. No, and I think that it's... It's it's helpful to to acknowledge that and to and to go. It's it's okay to feel that, and you know we probably need to do some work. I know that we've we have several guests that we've already booked in anticipation of people's mental health is right. not okay right now. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not sure I believe anybody who says, "Yeah, I'm totally doing fine." Um, There's so probably some people like it's. Ken, Ken's I doing great. <laughs> <laughs> Ken's, I've never seen Ken better. You guys, those listening, if you've ever seen Ken Bell, he looks better than he's ever looked. So pandemic was good for you, Ken. It is, so you far, have it's that? actually been pretty decent. So far, so good. <laughs> I know, you have people who have that, right? You have people like, I kind of feel bad saying this, but COVID came at a good time for me. You know, like that's you know, not something that... The, so, okay, I want to do a little imaginative exercise. Maybe we'll try to lean towards the positive of this, given <laughs> some of our discussion. So, uh, describe the state of the world in three months or six months or three years from now. Uh, what's a what's a really positive scenario and what's a really negative <laughs> scenario? I call taking the negative scenario. Okay, I'll, yeah. I'll do that well. <laughs> so, the world is falling apart, I imagine. Well... I mean, when, y- when you're talking about three months or six months, I'm not sure there's going to be significant change in three months. Right. Like, at least not for the better. I, I think we're, we're a ways away from this really kind of actually right. well, they say wrapping it's up and ending. It's going to get worse again before it gets better. So. It really yeah. is I th- likely. I think our state of restrictions as they are now will probably be for several months. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah that three um, month span I think is pretty realistic. But as far as like six months a year, I'm I'm hoping next year will be a different start of school for my kids because my kids are having to go back to school with masks still and uncertainty and um, not vaccinated. I'm hoping next year my kids will be vaccinated, which right, will give me a level 12. of, uh, yeah. I mean, in, in one sense, there's been a bit of a shift for me that with the, with the initial wave or two of, of COVID in our area, it mostly hit people who were severely immunocompromised or quite elderly, people who would be considered very vulnerable. And the more recent variants are, aren't doing that to the same degree. So I, I have a level of concern for my kids that I didn't have before. So I'm going to be happy when I can get them vaccinated. Um, three years from now, I don't know. I think, there, I think that there's going to be residue that, that doesn't easily come off of this experience. You're, you're not one of these like, the world will really learn lessons from COVID and politically well, and otherwise. I, be I think that looking at between where where I've seen and observed political um, discrepancies and arguments in the last several years where there has been, you know, significant disagreements in families and in friends and relationships mm. between uh, mask mandates, vaccine passports, whether you're going to get vaccinated, whether you're not, whether you're going to homeschool your kid. Like there's been a lot of that has been really polarizing and that's been really difficult for families. Um, and I don't think that that's going to be easily recovered from. Um, I mean, I keep thinking of, uh, you know, my, my, my favorite comedian, Hannah Gadsby with her, her special Nanette, uh, where she talks about how she's like, we don't know how to have conversations about difficult things. And so when we disagree with each other, like that, that was already in place years ago that it's hard to disagree and still be able to see the humanity mm. in people. And I feel that that's been intensified. You over think it's become worse through this? Well, yeah. because people feel scared or they feel like that there's constitutional rights that are being violated. And, and like they're, they're big things for people. They're, they're not small things to disagree about. And so I don't think that people are going to recover from that quickly. I think it's going to be hard. Do you have better news for us, Ken? I, Please. I, <laughs> I do. I think I have. I, I think first off, um, there's a big difference between Canada and the states. I think that's more pronounced in the states. I think the media, and I don't like to beat up on the media. I mean, they they have their job, but I think they look for that in Canada in a way that they don't have to search for it in the states. That sort of hard division. Um, the reality is, is 85 percent of those eligible have been vaccinated. They're on board. They're doing what they need to do. That's a huge... I mean, mm -hmm. find find anything We could be else. in a situation where only 65% Well, find to, anything yeah. else and there where are countries 85% that are absolutely of people in that actually agree on something. I mean, 85% of people can't agree mm -hmm. on virtually mm -hmm. hamburgers are good. No, no, they're not. They're, you know, they destroy, destroy the world. Um, I think in three years, one of the things I'm looking forward to, I, I mean, it's hard to make predictions, but I'm looking forward to the... The music, the art, the poetry that'll come out of this. Um, I think a lot of people are doing reevaluations of what's important to them. And mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to seeing how that manifests itself. Some people will get more in touch, more engaged with their faith, their spirituality, uh, however that is expressed. Others will walk away. Some will venture off and take more chances. Others will hunker down and take no chances. Mm -hmm. uh, so I'm, I guess there's, there's a part of me that... I'm interested in what the future will look like because it is unpredictable. And I do think that there's a sense in which um, I have a hopefulness that 
beauty and goodness will will emerge out of this in ways that oh, we don't yeah. expect them to. I, I think too, like it, it's difficult with the things that we've never lived through, but throughout kind of you know the arc of history to steal a quote that people use a lot, but really dark things have happened, whether that be famine or flood or, or great wars or all of those things, right? And so people have sat. I don't want to suppose in this exact position, right? But, but I do believe with great fear mm-hmm. about the future, and, and so sometimes great fear about others. Very much so, the other evil right? ones or something. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. so maybe it isn't on necessarily the global level that we're seeing right now with mm-hmm. the pandemic, but pandemics have happened as well before. Yeah, it's just that history is so far removed from us that we can't equate to it. So uh, I try to hold on to the fact that bad things have happened in the past before. Really, really dark bad things have happened. And we've come out on the other side okay. And usually what happens is... Maybe not on the personal level okay, right? Individuals yeah, an experience individual pain. And, yeah. and, but as a collective, if we're just talking about what does life look like in three years as on a macro level, I'd well, like to believe that it's yeah. better. And when you look at that, I mean, we have... I mean, it was called the dark ages. It wasn't all dark. But out of that emerged the enlightenment. I mean, mm-hmm. just those mm. two words... Uh, you know, big cultural movements big happen cultural movements. after the Second things. World War or after the First World War. You had the Roaring Twenties after the Spanish flu and Spanish flu. Mm-hmm. So there, you had a World War plus a pandemic, and out of that came this. Uh, well, and there was a huge engagement like with with just having fun and enjoying and music, and you had cars, and you had a whole bunch of technology well, that just advanced. You also had an investment in social programming that yeah. came out of that, mm-hmm. like huge, huge investment. You see, particularly in the states, with like the New Deal, and and so sometimes I think we look I, at those moments in history so. and think everybody was on board with that, but no, they, but they absolutely but they, they were not, weren't. right? Yeah, no. and it's difficult because our textbooks make it just sound like, and now this happened, yeah, and the people that's rejoiced, a, that's a good point. and that's <laughs> not. The way it worked, I right? Think if I'm kind of, I'm generally positive. I think most of you know that, but I think if I have, if I carry a concern after this time, it's it is more political. Very much uh, so. The, that kind of concerns mm-hmm. me. The divisiveness, and I've seen just historically, not so much lived it, but in in reading and visited places, you know, um, uh, concentration camps in Europe and such. Um, and how a civilization can decline, and how that comes from from political uh, division, polarization, and I just those questions aren't answered yet, and in in the world, and particularly, can you mention the United States? Um, some of the division that's down there, right? And and you know we're we're a podcast that clearly has a, a faith element and is speaking about like post evangelicalism and whatever else. It's also a little bit. Um, jarring to consider that much of that divisiveness comes uh, at the hands of the church um, that has often operated out of fear, uh, just cultural fear, but fear of the other. And you just see some of these stories that are happening in the United States. And you think, I don't think it has to go that way. I'm not, I'm not, I don't feel kind of a sense of doom. It's just that it, it could for, for mm-hmm. at this time in my life, I've never been at a time where it really could. It wouldn't take many things to fall for it to fall that way. I think. But I think in times like this, those who trust in certainty double down on their certainty, and that's mm. what leads to a lot of challenge. So there was an article that we produced a couple of days ago. I can't remember what it was about, and I put it on my Facebook feed. And one of my former colleagues just replied back, "Concerned, can't oh, concerned, brother. Very concerned." <laughs> 
he's doubling down on an old way of. It was weird because I saw that being. article and. I know, there and wasn't I don't really know anything what there was in that to be concerned yeah. about. Well, it was because we were quoting uh, Richard Topping, or because Richard Topping wrote it. Yeah, I that, know. But that would be the reason for concern. Oh, so he has him in a certain camp. Well, because he's he's a you know radical, progressive, liberal person who doesn't even believe in Jesus. Richard Topping. Yeah, yeah. Without, without he's not, by the way. I was just going to say. <laughs> no, he's not. I, I know. I, but, but people, yeah. when, you've, when you've rested on certainty, and we've talked about certainty, you draw down on that, and you double down in a time such as this, and that's what leads to difficulty and, and conflict. But I do think, and Amanda's got us there, more and can too, um, the other is possible too. People have seen what it means to come together, what it means mm-hmm. to help one another, what it means to sacrifice on behalf of someone else. They've seen that, um, and all the studies, have sh- all studies have shown this, like if you want to be happy, you can't chase happiness, you need to help other people. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been some real positives, and so that could happen as well. But we are at a point where we, we just don't know. wanted to mention, before we kind of uh, talk about the end of, end of the pandemic and then send ourselves into the next season of Rector's Cupboard, about change in terms of language, how you think language might change. I've got this article um, called The Rise of Therapy Speak, and it talks about how just um, everyday language for many people has been impacted by um, therapy, like psychological therapy. So we Mm, say things like, that's a toxic person, or I'm going to take the toxic people, you know, (laughs) not have the toxic people (laughs) in my life anymore. Or uh, things like catastrophize, uh, wellness, right? All these, these all come from... Yeah, there's been a great migration from, from like therapy and psychology Tr- Trigger and stuff. warning would be another one. Very yeah, being or it, I yeah. trigger warning. I think, you know, and, and some of them are misnomers. Like, you know, somebody who's just organized can be referred to as having like OCD or something, which they, they're just yeah. organized. Right. Um, but how that language kind of seeps into culture as a whole do you think that the pandemic will have any kind of language oh, well there's will? there's words that have or like you talk about social distancing physical distancing mask man like there's been several kind of things where i think we've got language the variants of concern oh. <laughs> that's terrible i never want to hear that again no i think our language our everyday language is always um representative of the culture that we're living in right so if our culture is focused on mental health which it it was before the pandemic there was a movement there was in right. that direction yeah right then you're going to see that i mean uh, our language is shaped by the things that we watch on television as well so I- i'm not surprised that those things kind of infiltrate one of the things that i thought was interesting in that article is that it did bring up that this has been happening for a very long time right? Like therapy speak has actually been coming into our language for a long time. We used to talk about hysterical things, hysterical women, shell shock. shock. We still use the term shell shock, not in the way that it's actually, you know, in PTSD for a, you know, a soldier in the trenches, right? Like that's what they used to talk about. That's not the way we reference that now. So that language has infiltrated our culture for a very long time. Um, It might feel heightened right now because of the place that we're in. I think to get back to what we were talking about off the top, uh, the kind of emotional and mental exhaustion, spiritual exhaustion that people can have, there's a there's a little quote in this article that says, as language is, is affected by like therapy speak, as language becomes you know, guided by that way of seeing the world, uh, the writer says, the language of suffering finds its, finds its way into the mouths of those who suffer least. Hmm. So we wind up labeling what we're feeling 
as some uh, pretty intense. And I think, you know, you were mentioning that like this pandemic could have been so much worse mm-hmm. that it's, and I think that's one of the things that's happened here is that we all have, many people have faced loss, many people have suffered, may, but maybe not that much really, particularly to those of us in, in this part of the world. And yet well, and we've well, let's, speak, let's call it what it is. We're sitting here as middle-class white people in North and they call out in that article as well that, you know, it tends to be middle-class white people who get to go to therapy right. and yeah. experience those words and utilize those words right. where people who may need it more, I don't right. want to try to cast judgment on who needs therapy, but people who need it Everyone don't have does. access to it, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, Every, sorry, everybody does. does. <laughs> Everyone <laughs> needs it. But so many people don't have access to it. So that language comes in kind of from a place of privilege sometimes. Mm-hmm. There was another note in there, and I want to kind of hold it as we look towards this this uh, season of the podcast. It, it didn't talk about it at great length. It has this Greek concept. How do I say it? Eudaimonia, uh, which is hu- human flourishing, okay. that there is this, the opposite of feeling that, that languishing and that kind of um, exhaustion is some kind of flourishing. I- interesting enough, this isn't a church article by any means, but it ends by saying some might call it blessedness. In any case, it seems worth talking about and so we want to kind of say that that we're aware of the exhaustion that many people are feeling Mm -hmm. and we hope to talk about flourishing and blessedness not as you know um, trite distractions but they referenced it in here as speaking about the language of healing Mm. what does it mean and that's some of my hope for this next season that many of the people we have will have on know what it means to have felt some of these really difficult things but have experienced healing. Some f- yeah. For some of them, that's faith that's gotten them there. For other people, it's different things. But we want to be talking about some of that. No, and I, and I find the concept of healing very interesting coming out of this because I, I know that, that I can sometimes be <laughs> as I am. Realistic? Oh, oh don't Oh, say sorry. I was going like to say <laughs> pessimist. <laughs> I thought realistic was a bit kind. I was like, oh, that's oh, great. I felt like they were, they were searching for that word. Yeah, I bet there were. Um, like, I, I know that I could come off as that. So there's part where I, I do need to hear people who can see hope in things. I do need to hear people who go, there is there is something on the other side. That there That there is a trajectory. Like you talked about where it's like the arc of history. You know, isn't that... Um, Martin Luther King, the arc like of history bends, bends towards, towards justice, justice mm-hmm. where I go, okay, so it, it's almost like this leap of faith to go, even though that's hard for m- me to see at all times, I go, oh, I want to talk about it because it's so important. I, I think for me, one of the, one of the concepts, and it, it kind of came up in the article, even the concept of mental health or mental wellness. And I think for some people that, th- and I think that overall that's great, but I think some people also use it as can use it as an excuse for bad behavior. Mm. So it's one thing to say, for the sake of my mental wellness, I'm I'm going to be not as busy. Or I'm going to make sure I take a walk every day. And others are saying, oh, you know what? For the sake of my, I'm going to for the sake of my mental wants, I'm going to break the rules. I'm going to travel here. I'm going to go visit these people. I'm going to have a big party. It's it's all for my mental. I, I have to throw a, a mm. sleepover for my children because you know it's for the sake of their mental wellness. And so we use that kind of therapy hmm. speak as an excuse for bad hmm. behavior. Yeah. Hmm. And I think that's an interesting tension with the introduction of this sort of thing is it it can excuse, oh, yeah, you know, I I just have 
whatever, fill in the blank with whatever the diagnosis is. And that's why I do the things I do. And so I do think there's a danger in that. Well, there's too. always a, a way to, ex, you know, kind of excuse and explain, rationalize whatever your own, your own behavior, your own. The, the, we had a little Axios article, which was more of a list of like what could happen in the future, right? And it had this note on, uh, it, and it's Axios, so makes sense. Almost came off like a, a little article from Wired magazine or mm. something, right? Same kind of energy to it. But it talked about, you know, we just don't know what the future is going to hold, but it offered these two scenarios, particularly in terms of technology. It said, if technological uh, progress can jumpstart economic growth for all, while forestalling the worst effects of climate change, the world in 2040 will be a much easier place to navigate. If it can't, we may look back on 2020 as the good old days. Uh, I guess, I mean, that's... I sure. just liked that quote. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> you, you have this fear. And, I, and, you know, as we kind of move to that overall theme of healing, what does it mean for the world to experience healing right now? What does it mean for us as individuals and collectively to experience healing? It is that we don't know what's going to happen with this. 2040 could look like this or, you know, all great, or we could look, it could look back uh, people could look back going like, oh, no, in 2020, that's when things were really good and it's really gone downhill. I think what I'm kind of trying to say with healing is that whatever it is, regardless, we can seek healing, both mm -hmm. personally, individually, and then collectively. And I think that's what becomes hopeful for me moving forward. Yeah, I, the going back to like the concept of healing, uh, th this summer, Todd and I uh, took a course with uh, John Swinton. We've had him on the podcast before. It was a good course on mental health. Also an excellent episode. And an excellent episode. <laughs> Go check it out. Go back and look. Um, <laughs> and he closes his book that we read for the course, which is Finding Jesus in the Storm, by talking about ways that we can like help bring healing to people who are struggling with mental health challenges and how we can... Um, behave in those relationships and he talks about like the, the very end is he talks about kindness and he says his kids mock him for that um but he he's, he's like i still stand by it that like what if like we we viewed these potential like challenges as just opportunity for kindness mm -hmm. and then he ends like the the like very like ultimate thing that he says is like it's really not that complicated he's mm -hmm. like so there, there's this call that that he has towards this this very basic human way of choosing to interact with people from a place of kindness and i think it's a it's a beautiful thing for for those who hold faith to go but i don't want to but you <laughs> like but there there is a call i but think still. to for kindness and i just mm -hmm. thought this summer that was interesting and particularly if you know that there's a lot of fear out there Oh yeah. around this we we had most people aren't trying to be difficult i don't think i like and maybe that's me holding well, that in a place of faith of to go i think that they shouldn't mm -hmm. but like i know i've acted out of fear and having people then snap back at me has only exacerbated yeah. the situation it's been so such a act of beauty and and grace when people have chosen to treat me with kindness particularly when i don't deserve it what does it mean to be kind to someone who, and of course, the, the, you know, what's before us now is, are there like the people protesting in front of hospitals or mm -hmm. the people, I, I, I'm surprised that, no, obviously I'm not going <laughs> to name anything, but, you know, I heard of people that I know that, that are, you know, so-and-so, they're not getting vaccinated mm -hmm. or so, and, and you're just like, what, really? And, and so what is, that? that's the call for kindness though, is mm -hmm. across all of these lines, 
this, there is a lot of fear out there. We didn't talk about, but we had before us an article because um, all of us have some kind of relationship to the Christian church. And it's a time of great fear in religious communities as well. Mm-hmm. As they meet again, will that will the way they meet continue? Um, this article was kind of negative on that. It was saying like the faithful aren't coming back type of thing. It was pretty negative terrible. actually. <laughs> Um, but it was pretty decidedly like, no, yeah, this like, is all closing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, literally it said gone by 2040. Mm-hmm. There was a thing that, you know, the Anglican church won't exist by 2040 in Canada. Kind and of perhaps thing. after COVID, maybe it's 2030. Yeah. Maybe it, maybe <laughs> yeah, it accelerated yeah, yeah, it. Yeah, 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 it was yeah. a pretty negative article. Yeah. But. And so that call for kindness right across all those lines, mm-hmm. religious, spiritual, mm-hmm. it is tougher. Like when I think of the people I know in healthcare and they are seeing. Yeah. No, I, d- you know, I don't mm-hmm. blame people. Oh, I really don't. No. Like. It, it, but it is, you go, it is the radical choice. Yeah, it's it's the way forward, and it definitely relates to that healing that we're speaking about. So, um, so then, you know, we're going to, we're going to look forward to this next season. We do have some fantastic mm-hmm. uh, guests coming up. We have a mental health panel speaking we do. Of, uh, uh, coming mm-hmm. up soon. Um, we've got some stuff on, on uh, what new initiatives in the church. Uh, we have some stuff on, again, um, environmentalism and and so I can't even think of all some the different artists. Art. Oh, we have yeah, some amazing artists art. coming on. Um, and that's just what we have booked already, not a l- what we're working so on. So much more so to come. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're, re- we, uh, we're really looking forward to it. But we're looking forward to it from this particular place in time. Uh, for those who are listening, if you are at one of those places of exhaustion, uh, mental, emotional, spiritual, um, you know this already. And I don't know how much it helps, but I can say you're certainly not alone. Um, and we will be hoping for, even praying for, and hopefully some of the things you hear on this um, show, this podcast, can contribute to some of that healing and kindness moving forward. Mm-hmm. So, Allison and Ken <laughs> and Amanda, thank you so much for Cheers, uh, guys. being part Cheers. of this. Cheers. Uh, what is this again? Wildflower honey. Yeah, to season three. To season three. To yeah. season yeah. three. Season three. Whew, that was unexpected. <laughs> Rector's Cupboard releases a new episode every other Friday. The podcast is a production of Reflector Project. Hosts are Todd Weeb and Allison Williams. Cupboard master for tastings and locations is Ken Bell. Production and social media by Amanda Miner. For past episodes and other content, visit rectorscupboard.ca. Thanks for listening.